Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 62 where we're gonna talk about feeling lost in motherhood. I got so much feedback from last week about feeling lost in motherhood that I knew this had to be a two-part topic, and I hear from so many moms, and I just want you to know that you're not alone. You're not alone in this emotion, and you're not alone in this journey, and I'm right there with you. I'm in the trenches with you. I am on no high horse. I am on no pedestal. I am working on this every single day with my kids around, with my kids not around, and I hear from so many of you, so I want to normalize it for you so you can kind of take that breath of relief. And like, ooh, okay, I can do this. And take that pressure off your shoulders because we can't parent from pressure. So I talked last week a lot about reading from hearing from different moms and how they're feeling. And I'm hearing from so many of you that that helped. So that's good. So I'm going to do that again today. I love this one. She says, we grow into a new person as one should throughout life. But parenthood speeds that process up for many of us. I don't think it's losing yourself or change priorities and grow as a person. The growth journey is about seeing what really matters to your life. Yes, because your priorities are now shifted in such a dramatic way. It's almost like when you go to middle school to high school, it's like, oh, I've done this. It's just a little bit more challenging than middle school. It's just a little bit more independence. But when you go from like married or single to parenthood, it is like the fast track to what in the world just happened. David and I, it took us forever and a day to have babies. We were married in 2001 and we had Lily in 2008. Seven years we were ready and planning and preparing. So it wasn't just like 10 months and like, you know, we're planning that long. It was like seven years of thinking about it and praying about it and wanting it. So we were like uber prepared. To say I read all the books is an understatement because I read all the books and then I read all the other books. And then I was still not having kids. So I'm like, let me read some more books. But when they came, I was like, what the heck just happened? Who am I? What is my name? Is my name Lily or is it Grady? I was just so lost in it all because I was so overly consumed in it all. I was so afraid of messing it up that I was parenting from this fear-based place. But that's where I was messing it up. I wasn't enjoying it because I was so stressed out all the time. I was so busy. I was so afraid to spend time with myself because all of a sudden I had this little human. I'm like, I have to give her all the things because if I don't give her all the things, then she won't be all the things. As she got older, I'm like, I can't just lose myself in this little human because then when she grows up to be a big human, she's not going to know who she is. And P.S., this girl and this boy, they are going to be grown and flown and they are leaving the nest. And I don't want them to take my identity with them. That is my identity. Mine. I I just picture like two kids fighting over a blanket. That's mine. That's mine. But that is the best gift we can give to our kids to have an identity separate from them while having an identity with them. So then they know how to have a relationship with themselves. But if we are always this martyr and victim and I give so much and I do so much and what have you done for me lately, then they grow up and they repeat the process. And then they're at the back of the line going, what about me? What have you done for me lately? Another mom says, I feel like my husband can come and go as he pleases. All work-related, of course, but I still get jealous of that. 
But if I ever need to go out and run errands, I have a crew with me. It's nice as a mom to get out by yourself, but so hard to do. That's where it comes down to being a priority that you're like, dude, I'm out. I got to go to Walgreens and flub my lips and just troll the aisles. And the reason why going to, I always say Walgreens because it's right up the street and I love Walgreens. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with Walgreens. I don't know why, but I love going to Walgreens. And I think people like doing the thing because it's a time to spend time with yourself. And just like I said in the beginning, when I got that marriage book, all of it was advice. And the underlying message in all of it is that if you want a thriving marriage, you have to spend time with each other. You have to know how they like to be loved and then love them in that way. Very basic, very simple, but not simple and basic to do. So the same thing goes with our relationship with ourselves. If you want a relationship with yourself that is growing and thriving, you spend time with yourself, find out the way that you like to be loved, and then love yourself in that way. If it's words of affirmation, you better get some mantras going, girl. Another mom says guilt. Guilt for what we did, for what we didn't do, for what we want to do but can't. Guilt stops us from being able to move along. Even when we do something right, there's guilt because I could have gone better. OMG, yes. I think sometimes we misuse the word guilt because guilt is like, if I rob a bank, I want to feel guilty about that. Like guilt is a good emotion sometimes. But just know that guilt comes from our thoughts. It doesn't come from what we do or don't do. A lot of times we think if we just did all the things, then we wouldn't feel guilty. But I promise on a stack of Bibles, if you did all the things, whatever all the things are, the guilt would still be there because it's still coming from a lack thought. I'm not good enough. And if we can dial this in and really, really be conscientious about projecting our stuff onto our kids and just kind of like dealing with it separate from them, then there's no guilt because I want you to think about, this is such an open-ended, hypothetical, everybody's answer is different on their paper. It's kind of like we're all taking this test. Okay, the teacher asks us, what does it mean to be a good mom? Ready, go. And then everybody has a different answer. What is that answer for you? You have to answer that for yourself and then do that as a mom or as a dad. But sometimes we put such airy-fairy, we don't define it, and then we never are able to achieve it. If we can't believe it, then we can't achieve it. But we have to know what that is first. And it has nothing to do with our kids. It has everything to do with our side of the street. Oh, this is a good one. She said, this mom says, I struggle with this. Sometimes I feel like I don't get a minute to be my own person and I get super overwhelmed with being a mom. But when I do get the chance to be alone, I don't want to because I don't want to be away from my kids. It's such a weird feeling. Isn't that the case? It's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because when we become a mom, it's all consuming with the nursing and the no sleeping. And we kind of lose ourselves in that foggy first year. And then we don't know how to like get it back. It's almost like we put it on the back burner that first year and we don't know how to get it back. So then we just keep putting it on the back burner, putting it on the back burner, putting it on the back burner. Then we let ourselves go. We let our health go. It's like ignoring your closet and all of a sudden your closet, it just looks like a tornado went off there. And so we're like, it's too far gone. It's too far away. I can't find her again. And so that loss, like we're in this wilderness forest and then our kids are looking up. It's like, can you figure out where we are, chick? Because I'm in this forest with you and you don't seem like you have a clue. And when kids feel that feeling of flailing, like mom and dad don't have a clue and they're in this forest and they're lost, that's when the anxiety creeps in with them because they're like, this chick is lost in the forest. And that's why I was having so many problems with Lily and Grady when they were younger is because I was in the middle of the forest and I didn't know where I was. And so they're looking at us in the scary forest going, we don't know where we are. 
And then they would look to me, and I was like the flight attendant on that turbulent plane. And I'm like, well, I don't know where I am. How am I supposed to know? I was almost annoyed that they were even asking the question. And they weren't asking it directly, but they were asking it with their behavior. They're like, this chick doesn't know where she's going. And I feel very insecure, and I feel very unsafe, and I don't feel like I'm going to thrive in this environment. I am now going to cry because I don't like this energy. Do you see how it all goes back to that open house? Do I feel safe? Do I feel loved? Am I going to thrive here? Kids know that. Lily will say, when I have a substitute teacher, I know before they even open their mouth, as soon as I walk in the door, if they're going to be a yeller or if they're going to be strict or if they're going to be angry or if they're going to be tense or they're going to be super fun or they're going to be laid back. She's like, I can walk in the door and I could eye that teacher, that substitute teacher, and I already know, even if I've never met him or her. I was like, dang, but that's how kids are. They just sense energy. Think about when you're talking to a baby. You don't talk to a baby. They don't understand one word you're saying, but it's always with your voice and with your energy. When we went to our mission trip to Cuba, Lily and the other kids, they didn't speak a lick of English. I'm talking barely said hello. And Lily doesn't know a lick of Spanish other than hola and agua and maybe can count to 10. That's about it. But they had so much fun and they were together 24-7 for seven days straight. Joined at the hip, playing Barbies, playing with the doll, playing tag, playing hide-and-go-seek. They never learned each other's language, ever. She might have picked up a few words here and there, but it was all through energy. It was almost like sign language. It was almost like they would talk with their hands. Sometimes we'd have the interpreter help, but sometimes they're off playing hide-and-go-seek, so you can't have the interpreter help you find someone when you can't find them and help them interpret for them. So we did have an interpreter when we needed it, but the adults were using the interpreter, not the kids. They were having a ball. And there was like 50 kids and then Lily. And they were all huddled around her. And she's like somehow organizing this game of hide and go seek. And they had tag and they had Barbies and they had chase the dog. They were playing hopscotch. Like, what is going on? I guess numbers are universal. When we pulled out bubbles, they didn't even know what bubbles were. But Lily taught them. They never learned the word bubbles, but they know what bubbles are now. So you have to know that 93% of your communication is through nonverbal. 7% is what you're yapping away about. What I'm yapping away about, people in my parenting boot camp, they're like, I love your energy. They say that because they see it through the videos. It's not really what I'm saying. It's how I'm presenting it. When I'm on this podcast, I don't open up the podcast going, hey, everyone, welcome to the podcast. Okay, today we're going to talk about, like, you can hear my excitement. You can hear my passion for this topic, and we're not even together. You don't even see my face. This other mom says, because they're putting everyone first, kids eat first, bath first, bed first, mom comes last and is depleted because everything is for everyone else. And I just ask myself and I ask you, how is that working for you? And if it's not working for you, this is a really, really good thing to flip around because you will feel happier and your kids will feel happier. Guess what your kids want? They want a happy, relaxed, calm parent. That's all they want from you. They don't care what the house looks like. They don't care what sports they play. They don't care about their extracurricular. They don't care about their friends. They just want to know that mom's okay, that mom's happy. Not happy all the time, but mom is okay because when you're okay, then they're okay. And I love this quote by Rachel Martin. You can find it on findingjoy.net. She says, breathe. Your kids need you, not perfect, but you, with your worries and your laughs and your fails and your try-agains, your love, 
You're showing up. That's what matters. Breathe, sweet mom. Sometimes we go through this motherhood business and we're holding our breath, waiting for the other shoe to drop instead of leaning into it and taking care of ourselves, filling up our own cups, filling up our bank accounts, putting on our oxygen mask so we can give oxygen to them. Because think about which setting is better, putting on an oxygen mask on ourselves first then giving it to our kids or giving our kids our oxygen mask and then they can't breathe because there's been no oxygen put into the oxygen tank. We have to put oxygen into our tanks first, so then when we do that, they have something to pull from. And I was saying before, self-care, self-love, yes, it's massages and facials, and those are fabulous, but it's also self-discipline and showing up for ourselves and loving ourselves, moving our body in a way, listening to personal development or filling our brain in a way, filling our bodies with positive, nutritious foods. That all really matters. I promise it does because that's where you're going to get your oxygen from. But it takes self-discipline because ding-dongs and sleeping and Netflix seem so much better in the moment. But when we look at the long-term effects, it doesn't fill us up. It's good to have all of this in moderation. And we get to choose what we put in our bank account. And so when our kids come to us needing withdrawals, we have abundance. We have tons of emotional bandwidth in that bank account for them to make withdrawals from. Another mom says, life takes over. It's either you're working or taking care of your kids. It never ends. There's no breaks. I just want to encourage me and you that we take breaks. Kids don't want burnout parents. If we don't take breaks, then they learn that life is about becoming burned out. So what are they going to do? They're going to overextend. They're going to say yes to all the things. They're going to go to the back of the line. Self-care looks like self-discipline. It looks like saying no to all the things. I was addicted to busy, so I said yes to all the things because I was afraid to spend time with myself. I didn't really like myself, so I didn't really like spending time with myself. It's kind of like I had a girlfriend that I didn't really like, so I was like, oh, I have to hang out with her again. I don't want to hang out with her again. And I was that person. I didn't want to hang out with myself. So then I'm like, let me go hang out with my kids. I'm like, oh, they're kind of getting on my nerves. Let me go hang out with David. Oh, he's getting on my nerves. Let me go, like, where can I go? And it was like once I started liking hanging out with myself, then all of a sudden my kids didn't get on my nerves so much. And neither did David. They still did, but not as much. And I was like, oh, well, it was an event, not a pattern. Before, it was a pattern because I didn't like being with myself. So if I don't like being with myself, how is that self going to go hang out with David or the kids or a girlfriend and have fun and be enjoyable? Because I don't enjoy my own company. You have to treat the relationship with ourselves like another separate relationship. This other mom says, I'm never my own name. I'm always my name plus their mom. It's like me saying, I'm never Kelly. I'm Lily and Grady's mom. I will do for, buy for, prep for them before I do anything for myself. At the end of the day, I'm too tired, broke, etc., to quote unquote do anything for me. I feel guilty for wanting a break. Do you see how this is almost abusive to ourselves? And this isn't just one person. This is the whole genre of motherhood. It's like give, 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 give your shirt off your back, but then you're walking around naked. Like I never understood she'd give the shirt off her back to someone. Like I understand the concept, like she'd do anything for anybody. But like, do we really want to walk around naked? Like, I hope I'm wearing layered clothes when I say that. When someone says that about me, if they say that at my funeral, please let them know that I had a tank top underneath. (laughs) I'm cracking myself up. But do you see where I'm coming from? Like, we can't give what we don't have. We can't pour from an empty cup. It's impossible. And so many of us want to do it. I try to do it, and it's impossible. I'm left bitter, critter resentful, at the back of the line, pointing my lips, folding my arms, and pouting. My kids don't want a pouting mom. Your kids don't want a pouting end-of-the-line mom. 
we talked about the miracle morning. And the miracle morning is so powerful because in that morning time is when you're filling up your own cup. So then when they do wake up, they're kind of like, what's up with you, girl? Like sometimes Lily will be like, what's up with you? You're like really awake. And it's because I've had an hour or two of thinking nothing but amazing, grateful, thoughtful thoughts about her. So then when she wakes up, she's like, uh, you're on a different vibration than I am because I've pumped up my own vibration on my own and they don't have to do anything to get that, deserve that, and they can make withdrawals and I have plenty to give them. Same with David. Sometimes he'll wake up, he's like, what have you, you look guilty. Like what's going on? I'm just like, hey, hi. like I'm kind of annoying sometimes when I do the things before they wake up. And so you can set that tone and start your day that way. And then when you do the workouts, when you do the meditation, when you do the gratitude, when you do all the things that are hard in the moment, you get to enjoy that workout all day long because that workout you did at 6.30 in the morning that was hard and you pushed yourself and you pushed through, you got stronger for it. At 6.30 p.m., guess what you're thinking about? Oh, I rocked that workout this morning. Or I didn't rock that workout this morning. I kind of like went through the motions. Tomorrow, I'm gonna rock it out. So either way, you win because you're never beating yourself up. You're never hard on yourself. Spending time with yourself and talking to yourself nicely matters because then you're gonna spend time with other people and talk nicer to them. And they really like that. So your kids don't need to know the behind the scenes stuff that you're doing, but they have to know that when they enter a relationship with you, when they're hanging out with you, not only mom loves them, but mom really likes them. Mom likes being with them. Mom likes who they are. And they don't get that from what you say or what you do, but the energy you bring to the table. Just like Lily can sense that when she walks in and sees a substitute teacher. She'll walk in the room. I'll be listening to like maybe a YouTube that's like stressful or it's like giving me information that I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. Or she's like, you'll see mad. What's the matter? I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm listening to something right now. This story I'm hearing is so tragic. I can't believe what's happening here. And she's like, I could feel it as soon as I walked in the room. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're like psychic. And one time when she was in first grade, she said, maybe it was second grade. She didn't say it as eloquently as I'm about to say it, but this is what she was trying to say. She said, you see that sponge over there? Sometimes I feel like, I'm like that sponge and like when the energy of the people around me, there's like too much stress or there's like too much going on. She said, sometimes I feel like I'm that sponge. And then when I cry, it's like the sponge couldn't hold any more of the energy. And so that's why I cry. And I was like, dang, girl, our kids are like empathic by nature. That's how they're born. They absorb the energy and that's how they're designed. So what she was saying is, I'm absorbing all the energy in this house or at school. She was talking about a camp she went to one time that she did not enjoy at all. I do not recommend it. I won't say the name, but she was only there for like, I don't know, two weeks. And I was like, this isn't really working for us, so we're going to exit stage left. But she said, I, I, she said, I felt like sometimes the energy in the room was so much that I was absorb, 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 absorb. And then the sponge, which was absorbing all that energy, was like the liquid that goes in the sponge. And then when the energy was too much, the sponge starts to leak out the extra water. And that's where her tears were. I was like, oh my gosh, are you Eckhart Tolle? Like, that was beautiful. And then she's like, can I have some more peanut butter? It was said in such a fleeting moment, but it helped me understand so much what our kids are always feeling. They're always reading the room, reading the energy. Some kids are more absorbent. Some kids are more empathic than others, just how they're born. But the ones who are super, super highly sensitive, like the ones that you feel like you're walking on eggshells around, those are the ones that are super empathic because they're absorbing all the energy and they don't know what to do with it all. So their eyes and their tears and their anxiety or their tension is because their sponge is overflowing and they're saying, it's too much energy. It's too much stress. It's too much angst. And it's good to teach them how to manage that, of course, but it's also good to use that as information. 
information to help you navigate and connect more with them. Because our kids are always teaching us where we need to grow. This is good news. Our kids don't need to change anything. Another mom says, we feel overweight and put all of our energy in our kids. Yes, that goes back to, and when she says overweight, I don't think she means physical overweight. Sometimes it manifests itself and shows up as overweight. And so sometimes when we let ourselves go, that's just a symbolic way of saying like, everybody else is in front of me, so I'm at the back of the line, and so I'm letting myself go completely. And then the mind and the body take over. It's like, oh, really? You're not going to take care of me? I'm going to show you. And then the weight of the world turns into weight on our body. And so then we're like, well, I really don't. I didn't like myself before the extra weight. Now I have this extra weight. So I really don't like being with myself. So now I'm going to give even more to my kids and spouse because I'm trying to feel better. And it's that empty abyss that just never, ever gets filled. Another mom says, I know that for me, sometimes I get lost in being his wife or their mother, et cetera, and the never-ending to-do list that I forget that I had dreams and ambitions of my own. Yes, this goes back to it matters who you were before you had kids. It really matters because your kids need to know who that person is. And so sometimes our identity is lost because we were never taught to have our own identity growing up. And so then when we have this new identity as a wife or a mother, then we're always their wife, their mother. But then we lose a sense of who we are and our identity is given outside of us. And I always use the football player analogy. They played football all their life. They went to pro football. They played in college. They played all the things. Then they're 28 and then they age out or they're injured out or they're just like, this isn't for me anymore. And then they're completely lost, depressed, laying on the couch, become an alcoholic because their identity is in football or their identity was in baseball. And so now without that, they don't know who they are and they get lost in that retirement at 28. I don't want your kids to be grown and flown and that you and your identity goes with them because then they're off at college, off being an entrepreneur, off at trade school, off being married, wherever they are off to. And then you're like, dude, who's this chick? Where'd where'd she go? I gave her up 18 years ago. And then it's like 18 years to go find her again versus like knowing who she is along the way, spending time with her, finding out how she likes to be loved and then loving her in that way and treating it like a separate relationship and spending time with yourself then you kind of get this relationship with yourself and this integrity, and then you start to show up in a different way, and you're doing different things to blow your own mind, to be proud of yourself, to do things that you thought you couldn't do, and then when you're done with them, you're high-fiving yourself. And then any other high-fives you get from spouse, kids, parents, grandparents, that's all extra credit. It's all gravy. It's all icing on the cake. So I don't want you to get lost in motherhood. I want you to be found in motherhood. Find yourself in motherhood. Find another version of yourself that can exist and coexist with who you are. They can exist together. It's like kumbaya together versus like I have to be all the things for my kids and not be all the things for myself. And it's one or the other. It's very black and white. But you'll see at the back of the line, it feels no fun. And then at the front of the line, it isn't any fun either. So why not in the middle of the line? So we can kind of like playing hopscotch. We're playing like jump ropes and we're doing both at the same time and doing them in tandem and giving to our kids from love and abundance where it makes deposits in our own account in return. And then we also are making our own deposits too. So we're kind of living off that interest that we're making on those deposits that we're making with ourselves. And then when we're making deposits for our kids and spouse and all the people, our boss, people at church, it's actually like making a deposit for them not in spite of yourself, but making a deposit for them and then you gain interest on that deposit. It's a win-win. When you do it for yourself, it's a direct deposit. And then when you're doing it with other people, it's direct deposit to them and then you gain interest on that deposit. So then you're living on that interest and living from that abundance 
And that's where the overwhelm goes away. And that's where the burnout goes away. Because you're not at the back of the line. You're not at the front of the line. But you're in the middle making direct deposits to yourselves first. And then you're taking some of that, not depleting your bank account, but giving some of that to the other people in your life that need you, want you, love you. And all they want is for you to be happy. They just want you to know that they can thrive, that they're safe, that they're loved. Just like my students did in my classroom, your kids and spouse want the same thing. A lot of times we become people pleasers to the extent that it doesn't please anybody. We're not pleased and then everybody around us is miserable because they can see how miserable we are because we're giving without giving to ourselves first. All right, I love you guys. Hope this helped. Let me know and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com and if you really wanna fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, What was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening? I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.